We're underway at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Dog Pod. I'm Nate. I'm Gabe. And I'm Andrew. Today we're going to be breaking down the Indians series against the Yankees where we lost 2-0 and then talking about the uh, the Browns last game against the Washington football team on Sunday, which we won, and then lead up to the Browns game against the Cowboys this Sunday in Dallas. So um, I guess we can start off by talking about the Indians series against the Yankees. If any of you listened to our last episode, we were all pretty optimistic. We all predicted a 2-0 sweep um, for the Indians. It ended up being a 2-0 sweep for the Yankees with poor pitching all around from the Indians and just, like, a bad, disappointing performance. Um, I don't know where you guys want to start with this conversation, but if one of you want to say your, like, immediate reactions to get us kicked off. Um, I couldn't believe how bad the pitching was. I mean, it, uh, you know, it, I didn't expect it to be perfect. You know, the Yankees can hit the ball. They're not that great at hitting. They just hit a lot of home runs. And I wasn't expecting them to be perfect. But to give up 22 runs in two games and walk around uh, – walk a ton of – I know they walked seven in game two. I'm not sure how many they walked in the first game. But to walk that many people and to give up that many runs was very uncharacteristic. And it was – extremely disappointing that's my biggest shock that was the biggest shock of the series to me not that Josh Naylor hit or hit well or like anything like that it, the pitching didn't show up and that was like the key thing we broke down for the series for us to win the pitching was going to need to be stellar and it wasn't so yeah for me um I mean you look at the series overall Maybe some people think the most disappointing thing was Shane Bieber not showing up and what he gave up like seven earned runs or something like that, which was pretty disappointing, sure. But for me, no, it was losing that game two. Game yeah. we should have won, should have sent it to game three where anything could happen. They would have, you know, their relievers would have already been wasted. And, I don't know, we probably would have had momentum. Our offense was cooking everything. We were going against J.A. Happ, who historically in the playoffs we've killed. And, I mean, he's just not that good to begin with. Um, so, just watching us blow that one nothing or, – or, sorry, the, the one-run lead in what, the ninth inning, Brad Hand, I'm disappointed in you. Like – he was pitching scared against those hitters. And yeah. I mean, sure that Giovanni Urshela hit where it was like, what it was like 0.9 feet above the dirt and he hit it yeah. right down the middle. That was crushing. It, I read some statistic that like it's the lowest hit ball by any Yankees hitter all season long. So that even hurt, that hurt even more, but it was like, a great pitch. It was a great yeah. pitch. Um, I mean, it was tough. I think for me, I think I got to agree with Gabe. Like, it's 100% the pitching in this series. If you told me in game one we were going to score three runs, I would have thought we won the game. Because Bieber 
has given up three runs in one start this whole season. Like, or I at least would have thought it was a close game. And then if you told me in game two that we would score nine runs, I would have thought we blew them out because of how good our pitching is. Our hitting did enough in this series. There were certain players who could have done better. Um, and there, like especially in the first game, which was pretty much carried by the bottom of our order and Jose. Um, but our offense did enough to win us both games. They did what they needed to do. They scored enough runs in each of the games to get a win. And our pitching just couldn't come through. We gave up 22 runs in uh, two games, which I don't remember a game where we gave up more than like 10 runs. Or we gave up – I'm scrolling through right now. We've given up more than 10 runs in, I think, two games all season, if I remember right. And then we gave up 10 runs in both games of this series. Yeah, we literally – we gave up 10 runs once to the – White Sox, and we gave up 11 runs once to the Royals in a 60-game series. And then we go and give up 12 and 10 in our two playoff games with what should be our best pitchers pitching. Obviously, Plesak didn't get to see the field in the playoffs. He was going to be our starter for game three. But it's just disappointing from the pitching. Like, I had such faith in Shane Bieber going into the game, and he just didn't show up. Yeah. Every pitcher in game two walked at least one batter. Every single pitcher. It was yeah. uh, maybe it's maybe the worst team pitching performance I've ever seen, but like it was that bad. I mean, even the, honestly, you can make an argument that the Yankees might have been worse. They were terrible too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they didn't. Not every pitcher walked people. We gave they up gave up hits. We gave up ten runs off of eight hits in game two, and we also had two errors. But ten runs off of eight hits is absurd because the other two runs have to be getting on base from somebody because they didn't get on base from a hit. And our pitchers had Carrasco had three walks, Karinchek had two walks, McKenzie had two walks, Wickren had two walks. The other three guys had one. And that's what lost us that game was just free bases. Obviously, the two errors don't help. But it's just the walks and just the pitching overall. Like, Carrasco usually pitches from behind in counts, or he usually goes deep in counts with pitchers. And that's what he does. He gets – if the count goes past three pitches – he's more than likely going to get the batter out because he just dissects batters. But, like, Karinchak shouldn't be walking that many guys, especially when he's pitching. He didn't get an in, an inning registered. He gave up the grand slam, walked two guys, and was out. And, like, Tristan McKenzie was super inefficient. And overall, it was just a poor performance from I literally mean, everyone except for yeah. Nick Wickren. I won't – yeah, Wickren had that big strikeout um, with guys on first and third with two outs. But I'm I won't bash McKenzie really like that was so unlucky that yeah, Henry yeah. gave up like that the wind that that, that's a that's a that was a fly out. pop out yeah. that just carried because of the wind and also maybe another big disappointment we had Matt Vasturgeon and Alex Rodriguez calling our game <laughs> oh yeah. my god I mean it was some of the most ear numbing stuff I've heard from an out like uh, we took the lead Cesar Hernandez gets that base hit. And they could not give one single fuck about what happened. They're literally like, oh, Indians took the lead. Like, dude, there's a half inning left, basically. Like, the game's <laughs> almost over, and you don't give a shit. But then Glaber Torres has, like, three bunt singles, and they're, like, slobbering all over this dude. It, just, <laughs> it was so annoying. And then 
Another thing, I'm sorry for ranting here. They said we didn't give Giovanni Urshela a chance. I know. I, when I heard we that, I was started him in the World Series. We started him in the 2017 ALDS. How did you say we didn't give him a chance? He had plenty of opportunity. He was just straight fucking garbage. I mean, he was worse than Oscar Mercado this season. He was terrible. <laughs> and that's saying something. Oscar Mercado has a negative war. Hey, but at least he got on base. I'll give him that. He had a great approach. He knew he wasn't going to hit the ball, so he swung at the ball, the dirt, and ran to first. He knew how to get on base. So good for him. Yeah, when he, when Luplo got that hit, the dude oh. was like, oh, and the Indians take the lead. I was like, dude, what are you saying? Like, yeah, me, meanwhile, I was going crazy. <laughs> like, that was a ballsy call by Alomar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it paid off too. Yeah, the, I, the, didn't, I, I didn't understand it when it first happened. But oh, it, it didn't make sense. It was our hottest hitter at the plate. Yeah, um, I, I get that it was uh, it was, was going to be lefty lefty. It was lefty lefty, but you give them the opportunity yeah. <laughs> to switch pitchers for the guy, the one guy in our lineup who can only hit against le- like one side of the uh, yeah. one one arm, it, and Luplo can only hit against lefties, and then he just happened to destroy a double. Yeah. Did, San- did Sandy think that the Aaron Boone would just be like, oh, let's just keep Zach Britton in now. Actually, he's walked two guys, and he's going up against our best lefty hitter. He's just like, yeah, let's keep him in. Keep him yeah. in. And I was, I was really scared when that happened, not just because I thought Luplo was going to get out, but because of how pissed that would make Naylor. Oh, my God. But, and I, you, could see, you could see how angry he was. But in the end, he was Luplo the first guy up. cheering, yeah. and he jumped up, and he was on like cheering for Luplo. So it, it turned out well, but that could have been disastrous for any of Sandy's dreams of becoming an MLB coach or manager at any point. Because I mean, that, I, it was such a stupid decision. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the Karinjak decision was, I mean, yeah. some of the dumbest. Has, he's never pitched before the sixth inning in his entire career. Why would he's you never bring pitched him in, in the postseason. Why would you bring him in that early in? The, like, the, honestly, that's a spot you put Whitgren in. Yeah. Or someone that's a spot because Whitgren's been in that situation all year. He's come in multiple times with bases loaded and he struck people out. Or I maybe the idea you needed a strike out there, but yeah, I don't like putting the rookie in, especially yeah. when it's it was the fourth inning, I think, when he got put in. Um, yeah. but also like you need someone to, at that point, you need someone who's going to go multiple innings, so maybe like a Pluto gets put in there or Quintrell. Yeah, or Quintrell. I wouldn't want Tristan McKenzie going into that situation either because that's really unfair for him. But there should have been a veteran who can go either just to get out of that inning or who can go deep um, that should have been put in there. I really, really, really – at first yeah. I was like, oh, let's go. Like, Karinczak's going to be a badass and strike him out and everything. And I had confidence. But, like, yeah. if that goes wrong, you're just ruining Karinczak. Yeah, the thing about Karinczak was, like, he struck a lot of people out, but he would give up stuff like that, too, at the same time. So it was like, you know, you have to weigh your options there. Yeah. Also, we're focusing a lot on game two, but game one, I thought Alomar cost us the game, like, cost us the game in game one by leaving Bieber out there. Mm -hmm. He had Quintrell warming up in the bullpen in game one. It was a nailer hit the home run. It was 5-2. I would have pulled Bieber at that moment. When you made it 5-2, I'm like, three-run game, put – Quintrell in, put McKenzie in, just like someone that's going to go long because it was clear Bieber didn't have his stuff. He couldn't locate his fastball. And guess what? The Yankees are a great fastball hitting team. Like they're just that – they're just a good fastball hitting team. 
So I would have taken Bieber out in that situation, but he didn't. And he gave up a two-run shot, made it 7-2. Ball game Game's was over. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. I think Bieber ended up pitching like something like 105 pitches in game one, yeah. which obviously like that comes down to his inefficiency in the game and his poor performance. But if a pitcher is performing poorly and they're at like 90 pitches, there's no reason why they should stay in, especially considering it's a three-game series. So the game's really important to win. And – we don't need depth in this series. Yeah. We can throw out a starter again and have two starters go like we did in game two. So I definitely agree that he should have been gone. But Also, credit to Jose Ramirez. He played his ass off this series. Yep. Great, great series. And I mean, there's, there's a couple guys that really play well. Josh Naylor. Cesar, included. Cesar Naylor. Cesar Hernandez. Played the great. two worst hitters, Carlos Santana and – I mean, Fran Mill probably, but also Francisco Lindor. Besides yeah. that double, he didn't do shit. Lindor went one for eight on this series. Santana didn't record a hit. Neither yeah. did Fran Mill. Yeah, um, but surprisingly, uh, I, to my surprise at least, Roberto Perez actually yeah, Roberto, played pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he got injured, got took that uh, hit by pitch uh, yeah. at the end. Still he, walked it off. Still, he was two for three. Yeah, like he played well in that second game and. He's not a guy that I expect to hit well on this team. Yeah. And, and I mean, if we're being honest, like even Fran Mill in the second game, he didn't get a hit, but he had two walks and two runs. Like our whole offense at least contributed in some way, except for Tyler Naquin in um, that game. Naquin just went 0 for 4 and did nothing. (laughs) I mean, Carlos was really bad. Like, Like there were so many times, key situations, Carlos would come up to the plate and strike out. Yeah. And wouldn't even be able to put the ball. Like, oh, my God, Jose Ramirez on third, no outs, and you strike out two straight times. You can't even put the ball in play against Masahiro Tanaka. Like, I understand he's good, but he's not that good. And then, I mean, like, Lindor, man, like, you needed to show why we should pay you 300 mil. Like there was runners on first and second, Lindor at the one plate, out, one out, and he hits into a double play. Like, yeah, I don't blame. Also, Santana he roped that ball at the end, and Urshela just made a fantastic play. So at least he made good contact on that. But God, Lindor was bad this. Yeah, this there were some moments and, where we needed him, and he showed up in like one or two, but. Yeah, I mean, if we're there looking were a couple forward, that he didn't get a hit, and it was yeah. pretty crushing. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking forward, like to the off season, I give it about a ninety percent chance this dude gets traded. Like, okay, I, um, I, I don't know. I personally think now Lindor is gonna realize that he fucked himself this season, and I think he might sign a like way less money than I you'd expect know. contract. Did you listen in, to in his an, comments? Yeah, did you listen to his interview? He said, 99% chance I come back. Yeah, that's if they pay him. And he's going to want he's gonna want a little bit. He's, gonna, he's not going to want Mookie Betts money, but he's going to want a little bit less, yeah. which is 300 mil, because Mookie Betts is getting 350 mil. So he's going to want a little bit. Like, I don't even know. Like, if you can get him for 250 mil, I'll probably do it. But honestly, if the Dodgers are like, here, here's Corey Seager, they, we're, not, we're not getting Corey Seager. Corey Seager is yeah. a better player than Francisco Lindor at this point. But yeah. he said, so 
in Francisco Lindor's comments, he said, um, A, they asked him if we would pay him, and he said, they're a $1 billion team. They have the money to pay me. Then he said, um, he essentially said, like, when we've spent money, we've lost. When we haven't spent money, we lost in the first round this year. Um, I would love to say that we should spend a lot of money and get a couple pieces, but that's Dolan's money and his decision. But then he goes on to say, I'm not good with odds. I don't play cards. I don't bet. But I would say a 99% chance I'm coming back. So obviously they haven't talked about contracts since like before spring training when everything fell through. Um, But I think there is a chance now that Lindor asks for less money. Um, But I also think, I also think there is a very good chance that, and probably a hundred percent chance that the value that was too low for Lindor back in January has greatly decreased. I think the offer to Lindor from Dolan is going to be way less this time than it was back in January off of his performance this year. And I think that will probably piss Lindor off. And I don't think in the end we will come to an agreement. Kind of like what Gabe said. Do you think, do you like, even so say he's going to willing to take less. I wouldn't be surprised. Say we don't trade him and we go to free agency with him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers overpay for him or, Yankees overpay for him or the Angels overpay for him. Yeah, I I wouldn't put it past any of those teams. Yeah, also looking at Carlos Santana, there's no way we're picking up his option for 17 mil after this season. So they'll probably restructure. Like if he comes back, it'll be on a smaller deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Brad Hand has a $10 million option. I don't see the Indians picking that up. I just – I don't see why they would. Um, I, I wouldn't give Brad Hand 10 minutes. I just wouldn't. And then Cesar Hernandez is a free agent. Hopefully he wants to come back. I love him. He's yeah. a great it, it seems like he has enjoyed his time. Yeah. It was Hopefully, a good year. But for it him. also depends on price. Yeah. Well. And his price has definitely increased after this season, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then in the long term, um, I'm pretty sure we have Jose tied down till 2023. Yeah. And Bieber 2024. Yeah. I mean, like, all the important guys we have long-term. The real the real questions are Lindor, Cesar, and um, Carlos. Carlos. Which I'm hoping we can get all three of them back. Um, obviously, that is assuming that it's on a, like, team-friendly contract. I don't want to see Lindor sign for $300 million. I definitely don't want to see us paying Carlos twenty million like we paid him this year because he's not even close to worth that. Especially when we're paying Jose Ramirez nine point four million. Like, come the guy on, need to pay his fucking Jose. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. I think I think after next season, Jose will get a very very big deal from us. Yeah, shout out to Jose. Like that man is just so fucking nice at getting those clutch hits when we need him yeah. to score runs. Like, geez. Every time in that series, he did it. Yeah. Every time you needed him to step up, he fucking stepped up. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Also, watching this Indians outfield made me miss the days of Sizemore and Michael Brantley in the outfield <laughs> and all those guys. Like, even, like, 35-year-old Kenny Lofton. I miss 35-year-old Kenny Lofton. I mean, oh, Tyler Naquin's regressed so much from, like, what he was doing in the middle of the season. 
I didn't expect it to be like that. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, he's actually, like, we found something. Apparently not. Leno de Shields, just an absolutely atrocious play in center yeah. field. Yeah. I mean, like, day one of outfield practice or outfield training, you're taught first step back, always first step back. And he just immediately starts charging in on a ball over his head. It's just – yeah, I haven't been this deflated about a loss in a long time. Like, I, I I wasn't that deflated after the Astros series or when we didn't even make the playoffs last year. I mean, this sucked, especially because it's the Yankees, dude. Yeah, I know. And especially after 2017 when we went up – or was yeah. it 2018? When we went up 2-0 yeah, we on them and then got the reverse sweep. Mm-hmm. Of course, Giovanni Urshela turned in to be a great player. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, that guy couldn't hit his way out of a fucking paper bag. I mean, he was lost at the plate. And now he's, like, one of the better hitters in the MLB. Same with Yandy Diaz. <laughs> yeah. No, I was so pissed when we traded Yandy Diaz. Like, yeah, same. There was no reason, really, to get rid of him. But also, I mean, I did you guys expect to lose when you saw DJ LeMahieu walk up to the plate? I thought it was over. Yeah. I, 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 saw, I was like, we need a double play against Gary Sanchez here because if it's a tie game with DJ LeMahieu coming up and he's 0 for 4, you know he's going to get a hit. He's not going 0 for 5 in a game. The guy is just too damn good. Yeah, we were saying that last night. Like, maybe if he was, like, 3 for 4 at the time, I'd be like, all right, we got a chance. You know, he's due to strike out or something like that. But the fact that he hadn't had a hit all night, it was over. Yeah, you knew you knew he was gonna put Goodwood on the ball and yeah. just get a good base hit. And he's solid. He's a great player. And the f- crazy thing is that Lindor's gonna get more money than him. The- yeah. No, the crazy thing is that the Rockies decided to pay uh, Daniel Murphy instead oh of DJ Lemay. <laughs> one of the worst decisions. Probably they paid Ian Desmond and and uh, f- yeah, fucking Daniel Murphy over this dude. I mean. They could have had DJ LeMahieu and Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story as the infield, like, for the future. Yeah. I mean, that is just a terrible decision by the Rockies. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, honestly, other than all the disappointment that we've talked about, I don't have much else to say about this series. I kind of want to put it past us. Do you guys have any other thing you want to point out about the series? Um. Shout out to the guys that got arrested. Yeah, Great fans. No, shout, shout out, out to the guy who had the drum outside. Yeah, shout out that I, I don't understand why he brought the drum. No one could hear it in the stadium, most likely. <laughs> I just, uh, he just seemed like I a blackhead banging, banging on a drum outside the stadium. I could hear it somewhat, like, in the background of the TV. But yeah, like, to be fair, that's not that much farther away from the field than uh, – yeah. Right oh, under true. the right but under the scoreboard. Drum, yeah, no, it's a definitely it's a much smaller drum. <laughs> yeah. Also, why didn't we have have him in, like that? Would yeah, be great to have they, sh- they should have given him tickets. Yeah, like, but whatever. I think yeah. now we can move on to talking about something more exciting and something that we can actually smile about, which was the Browns game on last Sunday. Um, so obviously you probably all know the Browns played the Washington football team. They won 34 to 20. It was a pretty dominant game towards the start of the fourth quarter. It looked like, uh, like the football team were threatening and like might be making somewhat of a comeback. And then Nick Chubb just kind of shut it down 
ran out a really long drive, got a touchdown to win the game. Um, I think for starters, I want to start with the defense. Um, we forced five turnovers in that game. To be fair, they did have – Dwayne Haskins, who's a guaranteed three turnovers every game. So having him there kind of helped us out. But three interceptions, two fumble recovers. It was a good overall game from the defense. Um, something that it it made me feel less concerned about the Cowboys game, especially considering we might be having some other members of our defense returning. But our defense showed up, got Baker some good field position fairly often and relatively did a good job of stopping them. Um, they only had, they had 309 yards. They actually had better stats in terms of yards per play and overall yards than us, but very, very close. Um, we just got our team in good positioning, which I think our defense did a very, very good job of. Um, I mean, can, good job to the defense for catching balls directly thrown at them. I yeah. don't know if that got <laughs> They were e- some of the easiest picks I've ever – I love Dwayne Haskins. I hate to see him struggle. Oh, my God, he just looks like trash. I mean, yeah. uh, I hate to say that, but he does. Yeah, I it, mean, it was an easy game for them, easy I'm, matchup. I'm, I mean, again, uh, the one man that stands out above the rest, Andrew Sandejo, for being the worst defensive player on the field, he sucks. I mean, like, I can't believe he's still getting snaps. In a game that we the defense plays well, he stands out as a garbage can, okay? He is trash. Get him off the field, okay? Like, I'm, I honestly was not that – I'm still not that confident in the defense. I mean, if you play a half-decent quarterback, like Dak Prescott would have beat us, especially getting up – Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> Dak Prescott, the sun – like, I – I don't know how to feel about the defense. Great job. You caught balls directly thrown at you, but you got fucking destroyed by Antonio fucking Gibson. Antonio <laughs> Gibson was running all over us for yeah. part of the time. It didn't make any sense. We couldn't stop the guys. And then the other thing was that our coverage out on the sides, like they were doing a lot of dink and dunk passes and getting yards on it. Like our coverage out on the side, like if we ever face the Saints – that would be very alarming because Alvin Kamara would run all over this defense. But, again, like, the linebackers weren't that great. I mean, they got some picks, but, like, I mean, what, they got one turnover, like, right at the end of the half? Like, it was literally, like, they got the turnover and then the half ended. Yeah, yeah, when he fumbled while running out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, B.J. Goodson was trying to convince us that he's actually a good football player with his stats. He's stat (laughs) padding. Yeah. uh, you know, not that confident in the defense. I guess good performance. I don't I mean, yeah, know. I, 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 wouldn't, don't know, I don't know if you could take anything from this performance. Yeah. Washington is so bad. I wouldn't say I, it made me more confident in their ability, but it definitely made them more confident in their ability, I think. <laughs> and that will hopefully make them perform better. Yeah, for me, look like watching that game, Defense, when, you know, when they had the lead, I was just like, man, this defense just got to go. They got to go. Like, this is so – I thought terrible. we were actually going to lose the game. Yeah. I liked seeing Ronnie Harrison actually come out and play, and I hope that he becomes the starter soon because yes. he needs to. Because Andrew Zendeo, brother, <laughs> you got to go. You got to go. You got to like, go. 
you got to get out of that. Go back to Minnesota. Go back to Minnesota. Like, you're trash, bro. Like, and I, I've been saying that for a long time, and I say you it every right when we signed him. I know. Where the hell is Sheldrick Redwine? This guy was, you know, a young guy coming out of the draft. We had high hopes for him. I talked about him in the pre, uh, the preview of the season, and he just hasn't been anywhere. And I'm, I'm sort of worried. Like, can we put an APB out for him? Like, get, get some choppers in the sky in Cleveland for him? Where is he? <laughs> like. This guy has to be better than Andrew Sandejo has been. And, but the linebackers, uh, you know, they got a couple turnovers for us. Um, Malcolm but it was Smith kind of just well. like, I'll give Malcolm Smith they were very cheap. But yeah, Mal- uh, Malcolm Smith played all right. But, like, these picks were, like, coming right to him, like you said. And they were getting a lot of tackles, but it was, like, kind of stupid tackles that, like, they let up, like, eight yards to uh, yeah. Antonio Gibson and then tackle him, like, Sure, see on Taki Taki, you're getting seven total tackles, but like you're letting up like 10 yards of carry out here. Thanks, <laughs> that's, that's like Joe Schumer last year. Like, I'm leading the NFL with tackles because I can't yeah. defend anybody. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, he ended up stepping up his game the next year, but like this is exactly what our linebackers are looking like. They're going to let up a ton of yards, let up pass catches, and then get the tackles and it's just stat pad. And it's like, all right, dude, you're just stuffing the box score, but, like, are you really doing much for us? No, you're not. Um, defensive line looked great, though. Miles yeah. Garrett. Strip sack. Strip sack. Yeah. And you also had the, the sack with, like, he was holding on to his Dwayne Haskins undershirt and dragged him down. That was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't have much hope for the defense going into uh, Dallas, seeing as how they can really put up points and Ezekiel Elliott can run all over us. Uh, our linebackers are just going to get burnt. but It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a shootout. Yeah. We'll be our, there live. Our offense Andrew. is going to have to carry us in that game. We'll be there live, Andrew. Take the over. AT&T Stadium. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would take – yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, take the over because the Dallas defense – Watching them against Seattle, they are trashed. I mean, they get even against even against the uh, Falcons. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have. Well, they were putting some bad positions against the Falcons, like with those with those fumbles early in the game. But yeah, but still, Calvin Ridley was burning them. And like that game, that Seattle game shouldn't have been close. If uh, DK Metcalf pulls his head out of his ass on the one play (laughs) and fucking scores. The game's over, but I don't know what he was doing on that play. If any of you guys saw it, it's one yeah, of the most that was boneheaded horrendous in a while. I Deshaun mean, besides Anderson Deho tackling Denzel Ward when he was trying <laughs> to go after Lamar Jackson. I mean, those those two plays are right up there with the worst plays of twenty twenty. I think, I think we can definitely put up a large amount of points on the Cowboys. I'm just concerned as to whether or not we can keep up with them, given that, like, to keep up with them, we're going to have to throw more than we would like, most likely. And, I mean, if this game turns into Zeke versus Chubb and Hunt, I'm okay with it. They do have probably a better rush defense than we do, um, but I'm taking Hunt and Chubb over Zeke any day. You know, some injury updates. I don't know if Kareem Hunt's going to play. Yeah, true. He, he did sit out all week. Yeah, so he's questionable with a groin injury. If yeah. not, 
um, bet the over for rushing yards and rushing attempts for Nick Chubb because he's <laughs> going to get a lot of carries. Yeah. And the thing is, is the reason why I'm optimistic is that if we just run Chubb, we're going to run clock out, and it's not going to give them enough time to put up 30 points, I hope. Maybe the defense just gives, like, up three-play touchdown drives every every time, but I don't think they'll do that. At least I'm hoping they won't do that. So I'm hoping that Chubb will actually run clock out and keep it sort of low scoring. Like, our offense somehow affects the offense of the Cowboys in that sense. Yeah. Uh, looking at their defense, I mean, they have talent all around, right? And I know they have some injuries, especially at linebacker. Uh, Jalen Smith is a beast. Okay, he's insane. He'll probably, you know, ball out like usual. But if we can target the other guys, like Alden Smith, he's played well so far this season. He's the but he's, yeah, he's still pretty old. And, like, we can use Chubb and he can break tackles on Alden Smith like it's nothing. I can tell you that right now. Um, Trayvon Diggs, young guy, pretty good. Uh, he, he got burned a couple times against the Seahawks. Uh, like, Tyler Lockett was having a field day out there. Like, uh, what, he had three or four touchdowns? That was yeah, crazy. Three. three. Um, but – I mean, they have certain positions that they're, like, stacked at. But if we can exploit their, you know, weaker positions, especially with their injuries, we can win this game, I think. Um, definitely. It won't be easy. It'll definitely be hard. Uh, we're going to have to put up a lot of points. Baker's not going to have to not make any mistakes, definitely, um, which I don't think will be too hard. It's not – you know, Cowboys don't pick a lot of people off. So, you know – I um obj and jarvis should have a good game i think um tight ends we should use them in the red zone when we're there uh we can use them to our advantage and just try to win a shootout that's what i'd go for because defense probably not stopping a lot of uh zeke elliott and dak prescott and one 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 viewpoint we can take from this game is that the the Cowboys are one blown onside kick away from going from being zero and three. Like, yeah. uh, do, are they actually that good? I don't even know. I think I think we, as Browns fans, we're getting caught up a little bit maybe into the name of the Cowboys because they're usually a good team every year. They're a solid team, but they should be an zero and three team. They shouldn't have a win with the way they've played. And also, I don't think Mike McCarthy is that good of a coach. He's looked terrible. Clock management, they suck at clock management. Like, they're terrible using their timeouts. Um, And I just don't think that he – I don't really think they have an identity on offense. Like, they score a lot of points, yes. But they don't know whether they want to run the ball or they want to throw the ball. They just, like – I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, though – They've played three good teams. Even if you don't want to say the Falcons are good, like the Falcons have gotten leads in their past two games. And like, at least offensively, they are a top like 10 team. Our two wins are against the Bengals and the football team who are arguably two of the worst teams in the league. So this could very well be a game where we get our hopes up. Oh, we're on a two game winning streak. 
and then we just get shut up, which seems to happen a lot, especially last year. But yeah. I, I do I do tend to agree that I think I'm putting too much name value on the Cowboys because it's like, oh, Zeke and Dak and like Amari Cooper, they have big name players, but and it's Dallas who's like big name football place, but I don't know. I think we can pull this game out, but I also don't want to get too excited because of how meaningless our wins have been. Like, it's the football team and the Bengals. This is like, uh, for both faces, like, this is like a game, I guess, sort of to see where you're at, I guess. I mean, like, honestly, if you would have told me that we would have started off the first quarter of the season two and two, like 500, I'm happy with that. If we lose this game, I still think it's a good start to the season being 500 after the first quarter part. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we beat the Cowboys here and it's pretty handily, I'll be like – I think – it's just weird because every year we're like they have the potential to play like an elite team because we see it. We see these plays where they just look great. If they can put it together, I hope this is the game where it's just like they're announcing to the NFL world we're here. We're competing. This is a new Cleveland Browns team. Yeah, I think this is a big game for Kevin Stefanski, like, in general. Just he needs to show up, all right? And if he shows up, that's big for him and his future here. Like, because yeah. I think this game could all, could be, a, like, a tone setter for the rest of the season, uh, definitely. And like you said, see where we're at. And with the Cowboys, like, I mean – I'm kind of seeing the same thing that I saw last year with the Cowboys, where it was like you played good teams, tough, end up losing in the end, which they did against the Seahawks. The Rams, I still don't know where the Rams were at. It's they're they're tough to tell. Like when you try, I to think they're them. probably one of the elite teams. I mean, the way they played it's against, it's it's really just because Aaron Donald is that good. He makes their defense so much better. But and then the Falcons game, like. I mean, how much can you really get from that game? It was a weird game, and I mean, it showed on the on yeah. you know on the yeah, score. There, there's no way the Cowboys are fumbling three times again, and like the yeah, first exactly. And there's no way like any other teams blowing a lead like that against them too. So it's it's weird for them. Um, I think like looking at the past two games, they've let up uh, 30, 39 points and then thirty eight points. We can exploit this defense for sure, if we play to our strengths, and that's what we need to do. Like, if we're trying to win this game, that's what we need to do. Defense just has to do enough yeah. to put them away. Just do it, enough. It, the, yeah, the they basically have to do what the Indians pitching couldn't do. Just do yeah. the bare minimum. Just do enough yeah. for the win. Like, honestly, we're not, the, we're not the Falcons in that we'll blow leads. Like, we showed in multiple games in the fourth quarter, we can close out games with just our running attack. And, like, if we have a lead in the fourth quarter – I am confident we will win the game because I'm that confident in Nick Chubb running the ball. Yeah. And Kevin Stavansky, like the last, uh, what, two games now, definitely showed out, showing that he can be a good head coach. And now you have to give your best stuff against this Cowboys team who have a lot of talent and a lot of good players. But, you know, they, they have coaching weaknesses, to be honest that we've seen throughout these first three games. And if you can exploit that and use that to your advantage, play the mental game, we can win this football game. 
And I mean, I don't want to get your hopes up or anything. I still think that I think there's a good chance we lose, but yeah. Um, well, that's with, how we're gonna win. Yeah, when you're when you're a Browns fan, you always know they can snatch defeat from the jaws yeah. of victory. Like that's yeah. just what they do. Still the Browns. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it feels different, but they still they still have the same jerseys, same names. It's but I don't know. This year just right. feels different. It just feels different, man. I predictions. What do you guys think is gonna happen? I think we made predictions earlier in the season. Yeah, I'll, I have mine pulled up. Um, my prediction at the start of the season, or when we made predictions back in like start of August or late July, um, I said we would win against the Cowboys twenty-one to seventeen. Um, I'm gonna stick with the result. I'm gonna change the score. I think it's now gonna be, uh, say, thirty-five, twenty-seven. I think we're gonna somewhat slow down their offense. 27 is slowing down their offense based off how they performed. And I think we're going to keep scoring in high numbers. But obviously, I could very well see it going 35-13 for the Cowboys and us just getting destroyed. But I'll stay optimistic. I I think I predicted that we would lose this game. Uh, I didn't anticipate the Cowboys to look so bad. Um, uh, I didn't expect their defense to be this bad. So I think we have a real possibility Looking ahead, I know the game's not over yet, but uh, I, f- I don't feel confident about my Colts prediction that I made. Because I said the Colts, we'd stomp the Colts, but I think they're 2 and one right now. So I'm not looking forward to next week. They're, they look to be okay, actually. Yeah, I don't know. The Colts have played some mediocre teams, though. And, I mean, they lost to the Jaguars. I mean, we don't – it's tough to say where they're at, definitely. But, we'll get into them later. Yeah, we'll get into them later. The Cowboys, though – uh, I think I predicted us to lose to them. Um, I think in a high-scoring, uh, close game, I think that's what I said, and I think I'm going to stick with that. I, I, I don't know if I can give you exact prediction, maybe somewhere in the 30s for each team, but um, yeah. I think it's close and it's high-scoring, but I, I think we're going to lose in the end. Um, but like I said before, if we play to our strengths, we can win and – that's what I hope we do. That's what I'm be cheering for. So, I, I think we um, – I'm going to predict we win 33-32 and Cody Parkey hits a game-winning field goal at the <laughs> end of the game. It's going to happen. Bold. bold it's not bold. a bold prediction. Cody Parkey's that damn high. He's just that damn good. <laughs> Cap. Remember that Dolphins game? Yeah, Terrell Pryor doesn't like Cody Parkey. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. Terrell Breyer. <laughs> All right. Well, do either of you have any other um, any other insight you want to give on the game leading up to it? Uh, bench Andrew Sandejo. <laughs> That's the conclusion. Where's Sheldrick Redwine? <laughs> APB out on Sheldrick Redwine. Get the choppers in the sky. we got to find him. Help it in a wheelchair out at safety, <laughs> and we'll do better. At least he won't tackle our own players. Yeah, actually, uh, Gabe and I are going to be going to the game. So, we'll be there. Look for us. We'll See have a it. live reaction. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we'll have we'll – have, it will be interesting to see football and live again in, like, so long. Yeah. I haven't watched live football in a while. AT&T Stadium is going to be lit. With that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. Um, as you heard, me and Gay both think we'll win a close game. Andrew said 
that he thinks will lose a close game. Either way, it should be an interesting battle against the Cowboys. I think it'll be high scoring, a shootout like we all said. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MadDogPod. Uh, get involved in the conversation, like our tweets, like our posts and everything, share with a friend. Uh, anything really helps us. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe and rate our podcasts on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And as Andrew said, share it with a friend, get involved in the conversation. Overall, um, just keep up with the conversation. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.